Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, my co-host Frankie, and our two very special guests, uh, Anthony Santino, who is a promising young comedian on the rise today, uh, and our good friend Matt Palillo, uh, who is a promising Muay Thai fighter. I know that this has nothing to do with tennis, however, we grew up playing tennis with these dudes, uh, and we also shared a very unique experience together, all being ball boys at the u.s open um i believe i was a ball boy from there from 2012 to 2014 I believe matt matt when were you when did you start that gig my first year was actually 2010 i could have started in 2009 but i had the late birthday you know the august cutoff it sucked so i started the next year yeah i was from 2011 to 2014 i started the year before you marcus and i was 2010 and 2013 basically high school for me Yep. Yep. So uh, there, as you could tell, there were two years of overlap there. And man, did we have a really good time. Uh, we also grew up all playing high school tennis together and whatnot. So this is a really neat episode for us to record. We're super happy to do this. Um, and we're just going to honestly just kind of talk to a little bit about what it was like being ball boys at the US Open, the behind the scenes, the stories on court, anything that you generally would not here um when you go to the u.s open you look at the ball boys and you think to yourself huh that seems like an easy job you know they just kind of look like they're running around it's a lot more complex than that there's a lot of politics behind the scenes there's a lot of weird things going on i would say so um it's a pretty unique world to be in frank kick us off tell us just talk to us a little bit what it was what it was like yeah, the politics of being a U.S. Open ball person make, like, the United States Congress look like kindergarten. Like, I don't even know how to, like, un- overstate, like, how political it was between, like, the 55-year-old ball people doing the same matches over and over again for 30 years. If you go on, like, YouTube clips of, like, finals from the 90s, like, you could find the same ball people that are, like, still kicking it today and just refuse to give the job up, which is absolutely hilarious to me, but you know, whatever. Um, it was a great experience. I honestly think that looking back on it, I have a lot more appreciation for how much fun it was and like all the fun memories and getting to like interact with all of these like professional athletes, like uh, specifically of the sport that I play and love that you really don't have like a similar experience in any other like medium of sport, right? Like there's only like one or two bat boys for like the Yankees and the Mets, but like there's dozens and dozens and dozens of ball people. And it's like a really, really great experience. And like, honestly, the best parts of it were just being there when you're not working sometimes, right? Like just getting to walk around the grounds, like you get your meal ticket. So like you get like, you know, 20 bucks a day and, you know, uh, you could go into Ash after hours. Like you could, you could do all of these things that made being a ball person so much fun. Um, and like, obviously we've known Matt and Anthony, like before ball, uh, being a ball person, but like you do meet people there that, uh, end up becoming like lifelong friends and tennis friends. And, and it's great. It's like a little, um, homecoming of like the tennis community, I think, um, for all of Queens and, and New York as a whole also. But, uh, I'd love to hear more about, you know, what were some of like the craziest stories that each of you had, because, I think each of us has had like at least one or two like fairly high profile matches, um, especially Matt. I think Matt, you, you've had like I don't know if you've had a final or a semifinal, but like Matt, Matt was like up high. He was high on the totem pole of politics. Uh, me and Marcus and Anthony were were lowly scum, but you know Matt was pretty high up. So let's hear it. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Yeah, there were definitely some politics that went on with you know the hierarchy of the ball persons. You got um. You got the super vets that are almost like the supervisors controlling who gets what match. And you can, you'd always like see the same few faces getting on Ash all the time. Um, it was a little bit easier for me, to be honest. I was doing the net. So um, there was a lot more competition for the back. And I just was a fast net. And I didn't make too many mistakes. And they like to put me on Ash. So I remember my first year, I did get Ash, my rookie year. But it was for, I believe, like a men's doubles match. Um, that was in 2010. The first match I ever did in 2010 was during the qualies. I had Ryan Harrison when he made his qualies debut and he qualified for the main draw. And I'll get into that story later. And do you remember that time he played um, Sergei Stokowski on grandstand? Yes, I do. I was there. Yeah, and he was up 6-3 of the fifth set breaker and he blew the lead and it was just such a deflating match for him. I don't think he was ever the same after that. But... um. 
Uh, one story I have from the first year. I'll just share this one before I pass off another story. I got tons of them. Uh, it was my first main draw match. It was the first day of the main draw. They had taken me from the qualities because not all the rookies make it through qualities and, you know, get the cut. And, you know, they didn't even give us the full uniform those years. Like, <laughs> yeah, Marcus, I see you doing, you know, yeah. you, know you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, like, they would only give us two polos. So, and no shorts, no wristbands, no shoes, nothing. So we would have to wash those two polos to make it through the full week of qualies. Anyway, I make it through the qualies, and they give me the full uniform. I'm on deck, 11 a.m. sharp. We're on court seven, I believe. Shahar Pier is playing. And this was during a heat wave, and it was maybe like 95 degrees. So it must have been over 100 on the court. And during the first set, um, they were playing a long point, and I started to feel myself getting woozy by the umpire's chair. And I start trying to talk to the umpire, but I guess they're not hearing me or nothing's coming out of my mouth. And I start walking backwards, and I trip over the fence on court seven towards the umpire's chair, and someone catches me from the stands. Next thing I know, I'm like, you know, I'm being like woken up. There's splashing water in my face in the stands. And then I wake up, and then I'm just like, whoa. And I get back on the court. I finish the set. And then the relief crew comes in, and I tell the supervisors, like, hey, I just passed out on the court. They're like, oh, just take a rest, and we'll send you back out for the next shift. Matt's an absolute warrior going right back out there. Love that. Matt's sacrificing it all, man. He did military service, U.S. Open ball boy action. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Anthony, and I, like, I remember, it's so funny that you mention like, the like, uniform thing, because now it just, like, hit me in the face. I'm like, oh, my God. I remember, like, being a rookie and how terrified I was, like, what if I get cut right now? Like that would really, that would really, really suck. It's so different now though, because I think what Matt was able to do, like, obviously you were really, really good Matt. That's why you got so many good courts, but like that has become less of a thing now because the backs don't have to throw anymore. Like you're rolling the ball. So like the whole thing about being like a good uh, back player, like a good back uh, ball person is just like moot. Now you don't even have to give the towels anymore. I forgot because of COVID. Like, they don't even have to do that. So it's just, like, it's so much different um, and so much less involved than, like, even when we had to um, be ball people. But, Anthony, I'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, what your experience was like because you were obviously there before Marcus and I, and you were also a back, um, which if you don't know what a back is, those are the two people that are staying on the back part of the court behind the players that are either giving them the towel or that's, that's usually on the chairperson side. And then the other side is just another back person that's launching balls uh, to and from. It's also one tier up from being a bottom. So, you know, we, uh, we, we graduated from that, but um, also what, before I get into a player story, uh, speaking of back and how they don't have to throw the ball anymore across the court, you know, like I was pretty efficient with that. That was no big deal at all. It's fine. But one time I was on court 17, I was like a Coco, no, no, a Bethany Maddox Sands match or something. I don't remember. Someone like that with blonde hair and a visor, you know? And uh, we were throwing the balls after the warm up. And like, you know, when you throw and normally you throw like a normal human, but sometimes you like have a hitch by accident, whatever. I had a hitch moment and it was like a rocket and it like went between the awning and the umpire, the top of their head. But it was like a rocket between them, but it went perfect. Like, literally. It was such an accident, but perfect. And like, they looked at me. So like, I almost hit them in the head. That would have been really embarrassing. I got a Mrs. Dowfire hot flash, but like, other than that, we were good. But uh, one player story I want to share, because Matt, Matt's probably got a ton. But um, and I, my recollection of things is like, like, I remember the dumb things. Like, I remember like Bradley Klon telling me what kind of drink he was drinking. I remember stupid things like that. But one time, uh, Albert Ramos from Spain, you know, the lefty, uh, recognized. Yep. He, um he uh he hit a ball at me and like hit me in the shin but like it was very on purpose because he was in a breaker and he did this thing where like he i forget if he wanted one ball at a time or not but he like had a like you know something like that so like i would toss him a ball and he would want to take like you know at least two or three and like see which one was you know whatever he didn't want but he was looking at me for another ball so i threw it to him but then he turned back to serve and i hit him in the hip and it was like the middle of a breaker so you know it's a tense situation but he like 
looked at me, like picked it up and like swatted it at me. It was at least like 60, 70 miles an hour, like, you know, 10 feet away. So Alba Ramos, I'm not like a big fan after that. You know, you know, you have a little personal experience with someone. Uh, if the Spanish Tennis Federation asked me to give like a grant to a player. He's like really far off my list is what I'm saying. And, you know, if he wants to beef in the comments, let him beef in the comments is all I'm saying on that. Yeah, he can go back to his pit of irrelevancy. Um, I like similar that. to, I like to, that. to Zverev and Sitsipas. I'm I'm with that. Anthony, uh, anything for anything from the chair umpire on that one? Don't they? I mean, Djokovic got defaulted for hitting well, the chair. You know, line thing, judge. The so. thing is, he like made it look like an accident. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like he didn't like turn to me and like show like a full motion. Like he just kind of like looked at me and like he made it look like he was doing it casual, but it was like a quick flick at the end. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I also might have added like 20 miles an hour to my description of it, but it, it the sentiment was very much there. He, he didn't like me. And after that, I didn't like him, you know, and I, it's hard for me not to like a person, man, but he, uh, he did it that day on court four or wherever the hell we were, you know, for what it's worth. Also, the story of you almost hitting a chair umpire when you have like a hitch in your throwing motion, I had the same experience on oh, yeah? court. Yeah. I think it was court 11. Um, I was on court 11. I forgot, honestly, who was playing because I've just mentally blanked on it. Um, and I like threw the ball. And instead of going between the chair umpire's head and the top of the, the awning that's in front of them, uh, on top of them, rather, it was like maybe six inches in front of her face and like didn't hit her, but like went clean by really close. She just turns and death stares me for a solid three minutes straight. And I like must have turned ghost white, like feeling my, like of embarrassed, like just just feeling like I'm going to die. And uh, that was just like that was probably the most tense moment I've had uh, as a ball person. I mean, there's other ones. Matt, I want to hear if you also had this where like I've been running for a ball in a dead heat and those ball person shoes sucked. They were horrible. And like there were numerous incidents of people like running out of their shoes and I quite literally ran out of my shoes and it just flung right off as I like went for like a dead pivot. But um, but yeah, that happened to me also in the middle of a tie break as well. Perfect. Uh, and that was that was absolutely horrifying because I ran and I was like, huh, why does my right foot suddenly feel so hot? <laughs> like, What's the problem? And then sure enough, I turn around. I'm like, oh, shit, my shoe just fell off. And I had to run back, grab the shoe. And I just like stomped on it um, and ran back to the corner. Yeah, I'm going to answer you real quick. I know that Marcus had a comment, but yeah, those shoes absolutely sucked. I know of several people that their shoes actually melted on the court. Like the court was just so hot in the summer that they would run and then come to a skidding stop. And then you'd hear the skid, like, you know, when tennis players slide on a hard court and then it would just melt the rubber right off the shoe. But I'm going to shoot it to Marcus. He was just raising his hand. Yeah, those those shoes were tough because when Frank, you just mentioned that I remember I was on court. I want to say it was like four or something. I was wallowing a match and like I was back left doing chair and same thing. I ran for a ball and then when it just slipped off, I just picked up and just like threw it over the fence so that because it was in between first and second serve. So I, I had to get it off the court. I threw it over the fence and then like some fan caught it and then he gave it back to me on the. On, on the next point, it was those, those shoes were horrible, dude. Those shoes are really bad. Um, yeah, those shoes were awful. Yeah. But yeah, so I just wanted to also talk about my first match as a ball person and what an experience that it was. So this was this was my first week. This was my first qualies. Yeah, because this was this was pre main drop. This was qualies. Go in and any of the guys will sort of tell you that. Uh, tiebreakers are really the most confusing thing to sort of keep track of as a ball person, right? And um, so we go on to the court. One of my guys, my crew chief, the crew chief is like the head ball person uh, for all of us, says, uh, you know, we're going to go out. We're going, uh, we're going to just like, you know, they're they're in the middle of a tiebreak. No worries. We're going to just hop right in for the tiebreak. It's going to be great. Cool. No problem. I'm like, all right, 14 years old. We're going to just wing it. Go on. First point. Uh, I don't even know who was playing. Wins a point. Ball goes in the middle of the court. The He was a back, the crew chief. Runs to go get the ball. Stops on a dime. All of a sudden, I just hear his ACL tears. He hops off the court. And I have to single back as a rookie in my first match in a tiebreak. That's completely mortified as to what is happening. 
because they put me, obviously, the rookie, like with the crew chief on the same side. And then sure enough, just completely thrown into the fire. Um, so that was my first introduction to Ball Boy was having my crew chief's ACL snap and tear right in front of me. That one's going to be tough to top. Um, I think the I think one of the better stories, I've got a couple of good stories, but one of the better stories. Another one I could think of. Who remembers Chris Casamassima? Yes. And yes. Joe Wilfred Songa. Oh, what happened? Oh, man. I remember Ball that shot? one. No. Face, face shot. Face shot. Eye shot. Whoa. Yeah, that was on Ash, right? Oh, I, oh, you jogged my memory. I, I've seen that. Yes. I, I don't remember. That was like a 130 bomb out yeah, wide. Yeah, I don't remember if it was Ash or Armstrong, but like Songa hit a serve and Chris did not see it coming and that ball hit him dead in the eye and he had to go to the hospital after the whole thing he ended up being fine people so don't worry but yeah that was just an absolute that was that was that was a crazy you know what that one i remember so vividly you know what chris amenez also got hit in the the nutskis i think speaking of getting hit in the nutskis this is where i was just about to go with this story so i'm doing a doubles match out on court uh eight or something victor troitsky and his partner against like these two double specialists and uh they're go ahead they're having a couple of good points and stuff and then all of a sudden on this one point they're like both at the net and the guy gets a high volley and just absolutely like stick fucking solid volley and just goes straight into Troisky's family jewels and he's on the floor for like 10 minutes just in agony and the chair empire is called the medic like they they finally get him up they take him to the bathroom like they they have a medic literally check out his nuts because just to make sure that he's fine and can have children again it was he got hit this hard and everybody on this court is laughing i'm i just couldn't believe this was happening the chair empire is just like yeah he he got hit in his family jewels like i don't know how else to say it um the other guys are laughing at it, and then when Troitsky comes back, they're all still joking about it, especially the guy who hit him. And I don't know if you guys, if our listeners know who Victor Troitsky is, but this is not like a well-tempered human being from Serbia. The rest of the match, every single ball that he hit was directed at this guy. He tried hitting a first serve down the line to hit him <laughs> on the fly. Like he did every single ball, continental grip forehand, just absolutely try to whack at it. They end up losing the second set six love, and then he wouldn't give him a handshake at the end. He's like, nope, F you. That was BS. But that was one of the most hilarious things. He was on the floor for 10 minutes, guys. 10 minutes. All right. What is the biggest player? That's a good one for player outburst. What is the biggest player outburst that you saw, like of anger? Like they beat up something, they destroyed rackets, whatever it may be. I'll I'll tell mine while you two think. Um, mine is the legend himself, Dmitry Terzanov. How's that for a name oh reference? Oh my god, I have okay. a. Uh, oh, I got good stories about him too from hitting days. Yep, Dmitry Terzanov on court like this must have been like fifteen or something. Okay, I, I think he lost the first two sets. He's up like five, like. I think he's up like 4-1 in the third, right? To like start the comeback. Ends up dropping his serve and like loses the like loses the break. So it gets back to four all. He just takes the racket as we run back to like the chairs for uh for a changeover. He takes his racket and he just starts whacking the chair, like absolutely destroying it. And he destroys both of the chairs. The bottom is gone from them, like the whole thing. So he just like it was just incredible. So then the the court, what are those called? The court managers, court attendant. right? Something like that. Court attendant. They come, they come, and they have to start bringing extra chairs onto the court because he destroyed both of the ones that he was able to sit on. It's fair of style. I like it. I can't think of outbursts, but not to derail this, you guys give your outburst story after, but I was just randomly thinking about these two like German teenagers winning the boys doubles title. And they 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 won it in front of about four and a half people out in court eleven. There was like nobody there. So when they won, they literally like hit the balls into the stands like 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 it was a crowd of people catching it. Like they had the best celebration I've seen of all time. It was just like they won like the career slam in one year or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but that's all because I can't think of outbursts. So I felt like I wanted to contribute something. And then uh, yeah, you guys go to your outburst stories. 
Yeah, I'm like blanking on the outburst stories. I've seen like so many players just lose it, like break two sticks in a match. Like I've seen Serena break a few sticks in a match. I've seen Joker break a few sticks in a match, but nothing really sticks out. Nothing super, super crazy. Just, you know, players getting mad. There's honestly so much poor behavior in tennis that it kind of blends together. Like I don't like I'm a flinchy person and I don't bat an eyelash when somebody like breaks a racket, you know? Like I think like Jeremy Shardy, like he's one of the like he was one of the more immature French players I've seen. I mean, he had a great run at one point, but uh, yeah, I didn't like him that much. But by the way, speaking of French players, you know who was like really nice? You guys ever have Stéphane Robert? Yeah, that guy was cool. He was like the nicest guy. Yeah, he, he was, was like cool. the French Michael Russell. Like Michael Russell's the nicest player I've ever met. Stéphane Robert like did France proud with that guy, you know, putting on. Also, one thing, do you guys, um, do you ever, like, I didn't know this until I was a ball boy. Like, you know, they use like different balls for men's and women's. Yes. I didn't oh, know yeah. that I was a ball boy. They have the black ball, the black logo for the men's players. I think it's like an extra heavy yeah. duty ball. And then for the women's matches, they play with the red logo. It's like, yep. Cause I had duty. Bobby Reynolds one time and he had me and Doug Moe. This was like an inside joke for us for like 10 years. It was like Bobby Reynolds. Like he's going back to the baseline for like a warm up, And he just like looks at the balls and he go, he like pauses. He goes, women's if he said it like it was like a villain in a super in a superhero movie it's like women's and then like they had like a whole discussion they had to like shuffle over some men's balls but men's balls i think i might have been on that match because i remember yeah, we might have been together yeah I mean, we might have been together it was me and doug at the net and then you were in the back and then just three other dudes yeah did you guys ever get interviewed as a ball boy for anything any outlet uh I, I got did. quoted once, and I think in U.S. news, it was a whole article about whether or not ball boys should be handling towels and the whole, like, you know, bacteria germ thing. This was obviously pre-COVID, but it was uh, pretty relevant now, so. Yeah. Now, me and Doug, I forgot about this for the longest time. Me and Doug got interviewed uh, about it for the New Yorker, but they used all the boring stuff. Like, we definitely gave better quotes. They gave, like, I had, like, one, like, 25% fire quote, and other than that, they were just like, oh, yeah, we, we exist here and catch balls, you know? But, uh, you know, they, they didn't get racy, the New Yorker. Speaking of outbursts, one that comes to mind. Do you guys remember Tommy Brennan saying? Tommy yes. Tommy saying, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, yes. yeah, that's a, that's a throwback, right? He, <laughs> I remember him, him telling me one time, he's like, dude, I had fucking Edie once on court seven or 10. And like after a point in typical fucking Edie fashion, Frank can speak to this because he's Mr. Italy here. So is Anthony actually. But he takes his racket. And like just like flicks it towards the back, and apparently Tommy was picking up a ball, and it came like this far from smashing Tommy's skull. And I'm showing about an inch, and like it hit the backstop, and Tommy again gave him this look like, what? <laughs> Wait, you know it's which funny players? that you mentioned that. I remember that happening. I remember that scene happening. Were you on his court? No, I wasn't on the court. I think I was just watching the match. Like I was like after it was like after I had like ended my shift. I think I remember watching that match and watching that scene happen. Which player, by the way, Ed? Is that a? Who'd you say? Fognini. Oh, Fognini. I thought you said Ed, no. like erectile dysfunction. Oh my god, like, he's having erectile dysfunction. <laughs> on the court. Oh, Fabio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Fabio is an absolute nut. Like, dude, that guy just like how he just like can like kind of like sashay around the court, like look like he's not trying at all, and just like play the way he plays. It's like nuts. I wish I. Could. He has to be. He has to be one of the most talented players on the tour of the past twenty years. Like, if he actually had like any semblance of hard work whatsoever, God knows what he could have accomplished. But when that guy gets like his pride bruised at all, like he is able to hit some shots that are pretty pretty phenomenal um but back to ball boy another player who was really cool um i don't know if you guys ever had him uh xavier malice super nice guy um ah yeah the x-man x-man he was awesome um and you know what i i remember being on his court i think i think again it was court 11 actually and he just like went to the umpire after like a few bad calls and he was just like I have been on this fucking tour for like 15 years and like I'm still getting hosed by like bad umpires like you that want to keep the same goddamn players at the top over and over and over again. And you all wonder why we can't succeed. I feel like that's unfair. 
Yeah, that's a little uncalled for. I, I, yeah, Xavier I, I feel character. like if you're complaining that you're not making it to the top because of bad calls, I think you got to pull a Stan Smith and give yourself a little more margin. You know, like Stan Smith in the against Romania and like the Davis Cup. Apparently, like anything near the line was like they would just call it out, so he would hit the ball like two feet inside the court every time. Yeah, that's and he, he won the match like that. That's kind of. I mean, Stan Smith doesn't scream gangster, but that's kind of a gangster move, you know. I mean, he's pretty gangster. He's got. He's got the sh- I'm wearing the shoes right now. Shoe. I'm wearing it right so. now, literally. It's on yes. my feet. I would, you know. That's certified gangster. Stan Smith is certified gangster. Um, he is. He is for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, oh, another thing that I'd love to love to hear from everybody: What is the highest profile match that you ever did as a ball person? Oof. Tough. Yeah, it's tough for you, Matt's Matt. Rolling, you actually have All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really digging Matt, deep Matt's right now. But I've had I've never had a men's final. Yeah, men's. But I've had the men's semis, and I've had all the big four. Um. Uh, maybe it was like, I don't know. It's got to be like a Rafa semi, a Joker semi, a Fed semi. I remember one time though. I'm like kicking myself for this. I think it was my last year as a ball boy. It was 2016. And I had just finished my shift, and I wasn't over 18, so I couldn't do any overtime. But they wanted to get me back because um, they wanted to put me on Ash for Fed versus Joker semi. And um, I was already on the train. I was on the 7 train. I just, like, got all my stuff. I was packed up. I changed out of my uniform. And I was going home. I'm on the train. I'm getting a call from the U.S. Open Ball Person's office. I pick it up, and they're saying, Matt, where are you? We need you to come back right now this instant. Federer's going to play Djokovic right now. And I'm just like, uh, I can't make it. I'm on the train already home. I got to go. And uh, that was it. And then I think they had me scheduled to work the final too. But since they, like, you know, I said that I couldn't make it to this semi, I think they just assumed that I couldn't work for the rest of the tournament. So then they just, you know, they cut wow. me there. They're, I, either I that, it to this either that or the political machine took its <laughs> vengeance out oh, on oh, you. Oh, it definitely did. Exactly. Yeah, they came back to bite me in the butt. You know, they don't like they can't get me back for the match. You know what? We're not going to take the final away. From yeah, me. I'll also give a quick political uh, interjection here. Um, I will not name specific names, but the person who was the head of all of the ball people, um, her nephew or whatever it was, joined. Oh, my God. I know where you're going. Yep. With this. Joined ball persons like one year. I think it was my final year. And this is why I like stopped doing it. He joined and instantly got Ash as like his first court like over and over and over again was getting ash armstrong grandstand any player he wanted like no problem whatsoever um and once i saw that because the only court that i'd ever requested my entire time let's see if marcus can get this the one player that i wanted to ball person for who was marcus baghdadis go for it anthony baghdadis i was gonna say baghdadis yeah it was Baghdadis. Are you Cypri- only person? You Cypriot? Yeah. You're right. Yeah, you are. Yeah. There we go. My mom is Cypriot. Oh, I wanted to get Baghdadis. And I'd met him a few times, like back in Cyprus. Oh, I one and- time knocked my umbrella on his head on Armstrong. Unbelievable. <laughs> I was an attack on Frankie's people. <laughs> he yeah. gave me a and weird yeah, look. That's, that's racially motivated. <laughs> um, but uh, only person I ever requested. Never got to ball person for him. Never. She never gave me him, which is incredible to me. But... um. But after I saw this person end up getting every court they wanted, I was just like, yep, this is just not worth my time to be crew chiefing on court 16, like in the blazing heat of summer. Like, I'll pass. Yeah, the, the, that was tough. Like, not like, because for those of you who don't know, like, you don't always get like the sexy court, like the Arthur Ashe Stadium. Usually you're doing like, you know, junior girls doubles nothing wrong with that but like you know it's just not high profile and do that out on like court yeah exactly for 90 percent of the ball persons it's not that glamorous you're not getting a stadium ever really you'll get like maybe one to two per tournament R- at most right yeah if you get grand and then if you get really hosed like i did you'll have frank as your crew chief <laughs> i was easily my best experience as a ball person was giving my review of marcus i remember that vividly Bad Yelp reviews, tarnishing re- reputations. No wonder I never got Ash. My uh, my highest profile match was probably uh, like a Jack Sock Stefan Kozlov practice on P seventeen. You know, no, I um I I got Ash twice. Like maybe my second or third year, it started. Like I got uh opening night like Kim Clijsters versus Vicky Duval. She absolutely like pummeled her, but uh, it was cool because they have the ceremony and stuff, and uh, that was nice. And I had Bartoli and Sharapova. 
I think it was like around a 16 or quarter on Ash once. And that was funny seeing Bartoli's dad, like give her like American sign language from the stands the whole time. And, you know, he, he was like trying to be like, you know, discreet, but also wasn't discreet at all. Um, and uh, then one time my favorite quote unquote high profile one, well, you know, wasn't like, it was maybe like another, like round of 32, round of 16. It was like Murray versus Lopez Feliciano on uh armstrong which was cool just because like you know andy hits so clean and feliciano with his slices and stuff but uh i had to leave early i had to go to a funeral and i was like come on you know they had to die today you know but uh it's all right jesus christ (laughs) all right marcus which bottom feeder is your highest profile match uh Maybe of 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 Avrinka, like third round on Armstrong. Yeah, that would probably be it, honestly. Um, you know what was weird? I never got to because of school. I never got to really finish out the second week of the main draw. I really did. So like that was like that weekend match, like that third fourth round. That was gonna be like my highlight. So I had Vavrinka. The dude was a complete asshole during that match. I love him as a player, but he was just like a total a total douche. So uh, it wasn't really the best experience. I much preferred. It was actually against Baghdadis. Um, that's where I like stuck the umbrella unbelievable yeah vavrika Baghdadis, and i remember i was just picking going to pick up some water and i was trying to still hold the umbrella up and like all of a sudden I, he's just going ow ow and i'm like what the f-? i'm like what is he talking about and i see like this like umbrella thorn is like sticking like right this is like six five in the four set too like this is like the worst time for this to happen but he was honestly such a nice guy that he just didn't even give me shit for it so i, I was pretty happy about that that he didn't really roast me on the spot it's fine. I'm going to just move to like Croatia or something for the ATP Legends Tour that's going on so I could ball boy for Baghdadis versus Ferrer. Dude, the, but in 2022, they are balling you know? the, 50, the 55 year old ball boys, you're going to become what you hate. I know, right? Yeah. If you last long enough, you'll see yourself become a villain. So that's my Batman origin story. Um, my highest profile, um, I would say is between two matches. Uh, one, I did the only at time I was ever on Ash. I had the Williams sisters for doubles. Um, that was cool. Uh, that's a sick match. Yeah. But my actual highest profile one, I think in like tennis history was it was I was on at like the 4 p.m. shift, right? So like they were, they like brought me in, like for the, all of us here know, but like if you get like the 4 p.m., 3 p.m. shift, they're basically bringing you on as like an alternate for one of the courts when like one of the people who's like younger or underage like runs out of time, um, like eight hours in a day because they can't do overtime, as Matt sort of mentioned earlier, um, to be a spot replacement for them. And one of the people that I got to spot replace for was on Louis Armstrong at a night match between James Blake and Ivo Karlovich in what ended up being James Blake's final match as a tennis professional. Wow. Um, So I got to be uh, on that match. And the most memorable part of it was in the uh, tiebreak, the fifth set tiebreak. Ivo Karlovich, I'm bouncing balls to him, which, by the way, is very challenging for a guy who's like seven feet tall. Um, You have to like literally just slam it on the ground. Uh, Goes up to me as I'm like throwing balls to him and like players talk to you all the time. But like he just comes up to me and he speaks and he says, no more, Mr. Nice Evil, because all of the crowd is just chanting against him. And he says that promptly hits like two aces in a row. Just absolutely incredible. He's very funny, by the way. You guys ever like see his Twitter or anything? Yeah, he's a dog. No, it totally ties out with his personality awesome. now that like I see him on Twitter and stuff. He's he's aw- he's an awesome, awesome player. By the way, we're talking about ball boy stuff. Just quick shout out to Marcus getting in that hitting practice session stuff, man. Marcus, I one day I just pull up to the U.S. Open and I see Marcus like going on to court practicing Marin Chilich. Who I almost called Marion by accident because my college coach kept calling him Marion Chillage. But shout out to Marcus, man, doing that. Yeah, that thank you, Anthony. I appreciate that. That was quite the experience too. And honestly, we're gonna need a, a separate episode for that because I've got a lot I've got a lot of stories from that well, too. I, I bet. Yeah. Have you talked about I it on bet. this podcast yet or no? Uh yeah, we've spoken about a few, like with Oh yeah, he's, he's definitely spoken about that. Matt, Matt's like, I got the archives of my brain. Like, yeah. I, Matt, oh yeah, I remember Matt's those a episodes. Diehard, man. Yeah, well, we're yeah. talking about... we gotta do another episode for um 
for uh, other U.S. Open jobs because I was working after ball persons. I was working at the Amex Court indoors from 2016. Hey. Oh, true. Oh, that's a cool one. Matt, nice. That's a cool one to talk about. Yeah, Matt used to hook me up there. I remember I'd pull up and Matt, like, you'd have to, like, wait online to go play on, like, that little tennis court you know demo thing they're doing matt would just hand me like one of the nicest rackets too and just like yo go through the back like i got you and i just yeah i'd be on the mic be like all right let's give a warm welcome to marcus <laughs> making a special guest appearance on the mx fan court test your skills test your skills i'm dead i tried testing my skills with baron chillich that was that was tough but yeah that's a separate episode anthony well that's why i remember that that's a good story that's why marin chillich won a u.s open and you did not um all right Another thing, now we're going to talk about some of the more irreverent things about being a ball person, um, which was the lunch selection. Very important time for any ball person. We got $20, I think. That was about right. 15 or, 15 or 20 I think it was $20. Um, so my allocation was always chicken tenders and fries, go-to, and then I finish my shift and I go to Ben & Jerry's and I'd get a half-baked shake. All right? That's the classic combo go-to for, I think, most. Yeah. But I'd love. To I'm hear glad it. you brought that up, Frank. That's such a crucial, like, yeah, I'd, part I'd, of the experience of know, being open ball I want to know what everybody's go-to was, um, because the one time that shout out to Whitney Kraft, who is like the head of the USTA's facility at Flushing, he would see me and he knows me because I would work at the U.S. Open like during the rest of the year as like a tennis teacher. Um, he would see me and be like, "Oh, come on, let's go get lunch." And he had an unlimited amount on his card, and I would go, and we'd get some filet mignon sandwiches, something like that, and Whitney Damn. would just absolutely look, look at it the, up. Frankie complaining about politicking and bullshit. Look at this guy getting, <laughs> getting filet mignon with the head yeah, of the U.S. Well, I'm playing this filet mignon. What are you doing? Yeah, you know? yeah, I got my filet mignon sandwich, and then got to watch Michael Russell grind it out on court. Yeah. Yeah, Frankie's so. complaining. He's like, yeah, they ran out of truffle sauce today. And I'm slumming it with like the patty melt smasher from Eastgate. Not bad, though. Yeah. Not bad. Solid 10 bucks. I remember when I first started, actually, uh, they only gave us 10 yeah, bucks. Think, yeah. And it was my first year, 2010, they gave us 10 bucks. And I think I could only buy chicken tenders and fries, and that would be it for the day. I couldn't even get anything else. You could get a, nap- a napkin and a packet of ketchup, maybe. If I was lucky. Dude. Can't do that anymore, even. I don't think you can even do... I think you could just do, like, chicken tenders and fries, and that's it now. Like, if, if it's I think tenders 20, and fries... It's, like, still like $20. Four, oh, it's, like, 20 bucks for that? Really? I thought it was up to, 13, like, 13, 14, I think 15. last time I remember, thirteen seventy-five. Yeah, for yeah. tenders and fries. But now they're giving the ball person some more money. I remember, Inflation. you know, my last few years, it was 20 bucks, and then I'm... I'm hearing that they're getting like thirty bucks now, which is ridiculous. They didn't have to like conserve all Honestly, their money. They should. They didn't have it hard. Dude, like they us. make so much. Honestly, they usually make so much money. They should. Honestly, the ball people's wage is keeping up with inflation more than the federal minimum wage, which is really just how much? Wait, astounding. How, to how think much about. are ball people making these days? I'm talking about the lunch. Wage. Oh, the lunch wage. Yeah, you definitely still just get minimum wage. I mean, this is listen. Like Matt could probably speak about like the days like before you even had to be paid you used to just be volunteers like oh no i'm not that old i started in 2010 i think I they thought, stopped i thought that was like one year the ball boys when was that i think maybe 2007 yeah I, it, don't quote me on yeah that. it was like just before you started then because i like there were a bunch of people who like had to sit out for like a year or two um to wait until they turned 14 oh yeah i remember there were a bunch of guys that are our age that were working the U.S. Open and they weren't being paid for it. They were just volunteering, and since they were volunteering, they didn't have to be 14 years old. I remember that. The, didn't the wage go up like 25 cents for every year you did it? Oh yeah, baby, let's go big now time. Now you know why. Now you know why the vets are all there. Those old 60 year old. They're making. Hey, they're they're, they're making, like, I'm getting my 25 cents per year. We're working on a 401k <laughs> out here, you know. Yeah, they got those 20 year super vets now making, you know. 15 bucks instead of they're making the Guala Express. Oh man, I remember Matt. So, speaking of food, I used to get that what, what that that like melted toast sandwich. I forgot what, yes, yes. And then Matt showed me the trick. And sorry, US Open, just to let you know that Matt and I used to steal cookies from the Eastgate Grill as well. Oh, Matt, yeah. We were like 14, yeah, and we, like, yeah, that's it. Was a struggle, and Matt would like show me how to do it too. Like, you just like put it like over there, and then like when they turn around to get your food, you just put a napkin over it, you put the food on top, and you just carry it out. You put the food on yep, top of it, yep, so uh, and then we. 
And then in Terrible the locker kids. room, which is a whole nother discussion, I think that we got to get into right now. In the locker room, you just like you would open up like Matt and I lockers, and we just have like ten cookies just lined up, just ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like where are all these roaches coming from? Uh, I think the Eastgate Bandits. Yeah. <laughs> we brought them yeah, in. Yeah, no comment. No, no comment. But let's let's talk about the locker room. The locker room is a fascinating dynamic of being a U.S. Open ball person, specifically during a rain delay, which is which was one of the my favorite times of being a ball person. So, Matt and Anthony, why don't each of you give us a quick rundown of what happens to the U.S. Open ball people's locker room during a rain delay? I think it gets a little soggy in there. Like, first of all, we're on the courts. Uh, we got to wait for the players to get off the courts. And if it's a light rain, we got to maybe dry the courts just stay on for a bit, hold the umbrellas up. But then once the downpour starts, we got to run. And if you were on court, like if you were on court four or five and you had to run all the way back to the perch in like, you know, a thunderstorm, it was not fun. You'd come back into there like super, like soaked, like drenched, like soaked to the bone. And then it would get all soggy in there. It's a co-ed locker room, kind of small. That was before we migrated up to another locker room. But during the rain delays, it was just everyone packed into there. And it was like maybe like 100 people in the locker room just playing cards, uh, spending whatever money they had on their credentials just to like munch on snacks until the rain cleared up. It was great. We were playing Chinese poker. The Some of the people were playing this game called Rat Screw. I think that was the official game, honestly. Where where are the ball boys now? Like where, like now that they redesigned this, just Armstrong, no more grandstand. Like where do they have? Is it the same locker room? They changed, it, I imagine, by now, right? They changed it. Um, when grandstand and Louis Armstrong used to be connected, that little area with the underpass that used to be called the perch, and then the ball people would hang out there. And then just under the perch, there would be. Um, just like exits for the stadium, and then we had like a small locker room that was connected to Louis. Dude, I, I just like got but, transported um, there. I haven't thought about it in a while. I'm like there right <laughs> yeah, now. that's deep cut. That's a deep cut. Yeah, that just took honestly, back. the name The Perch, like hearing that again, just like PTSD. I'm, I'm like 14 years old, and it's 2011 Dude, right now. Watch it. It's like 8.47 a.m. You're watching Peter Lundgren and Vavrinka rip backhands at each other. <laughs> Dude, that was like, oh yeah, when you get there early for your shift and you see Jurgen Melzer with his clean two-handed backhand. <laughs> oh wow, dude, I did oh a Jurgen match. I did a Jurgen match once. That was nice. That was fun. It was he was kind of having a washed year because I think he he was either coming off injury or he was older. So it was like I was like, damn, I've seen Jurgen better, but like it was still cool. Melanie Udan is the future of American women's tennis. But that was my impression of you know, or that was my experience with the rain delays. I think that's pretty much it, unless you want to add Anthony, anything. Uh, Anthony, I want to hear your experiences in the U.S. Open ball people locker room because you were not on the, uh, quote, inside secret service like uh, not. our I mean, darling Matthew Belillo was. Yeah, I was I, I was a bit of a just a chameleon. Just in general, like I have good friends. I have good acquaintances. I'm a, yeah, I'm an only child. I, I'm a drifter. You know, I was reading Rafa's biography and our autobiography. I remember him talking about how many nervous peas he took before a match. He'd be like, before a match, I take many peas nervous peas like yeah, these choppy sentences it sounded like the the, the co-writer really like captured rafa's style so i was like impressed by that i wasn't paying much attention you know i'd hug a few girls i thought were cute if they wanted to hug me that was about it uh literal hugs i was very much a, a verge boy you know but um it was a nice time man i uh I, I enjoyed the locker room although like i said i wasn't on the complete inner circle so i wasn't like trying to co-mingle too much in there during rain delays i was drifting around i remember there was one time that was cool like roddick was practicing on armstrong like probably later in the tournament and uh, i think he was practicing for like a round of 16 match or he was playing ferrer or something and uh, i remember them hanging out for a few minutes in like the underpass section like just outside the locker room I was like, damn, there's Andy Roddick. I want to like tug at his shirt for him, you know, like I, I wanted to like do something like that. Um, that was a fun time, man. I, I uh, yeah. When, when you mentioned the locker room, I was just like, remember like the wetness and like, you know, the, the time card and all that, like using your, do we use our credential for the time card? I forget. Or was there something else? It changed halfway through. Yeah. We, you would, by the end, by at least my end time, you were scanning your credential in, but there was at one point where you would have to like, 
go to like the ADP like punch in thing. You would have to enter in like your number and hit like clock in, clock out, whatever. That was part of it. I think that's how it started. At least when I was there, that's what it's. I started on. Yeah. But then by the end, you were just scanning in and out, and that was it. Yeah, that's how I remember it too. Just punching in the last few numbers of your. I'm looking forward to going to the open this year, man. Are you guys going or working it or doing anything like that? I'll be going on that Monday. I was last thing before that, Anthony. I was just gonna say, do you guys remember the most hotly debated topic in the locker room? Who is fast? Who is faster, Mapalilo or Jackson Claudio? Oh, Jackson! Yeah, Action Jackson! Shout out to Action Jackson too. What a smile! Yeah. Oh man! Wow, that is a tough. We got Ash together a lot, dude. He's great. We're the Ash buddies. Yeah, so fast you're breaking the sound barrier. Literally. I don't know if he was the net for this one match that I did, but this is an embarrassing story. Um, I believe it was from 2016 or 2013. Um, there was a redhead kid, and he was a back, and. He was on the match with me and, I don't know, a few other people. It was for Serena Williams versus Carla Suarez Navarro. It was a night match on Ash. Serena takes care of business first set, 6-4, whatever. 5-0 in the second set. And it's, I believe, match point for Serena. Um, She serves the ball and it hits the net. And it starts rolling back. Typically when... The, the ball starts rolling back from the net. The net and the back will kind of signal to each other who's going to get the ball. So we both throw up the signal, but none of us are stopping. And we're both running full speed. And we crash into each other on the court. And we just we both hit the deck. And then we get back up, get the ball, and run back to the back. And then Serena, the camera pans to her. And she's just shaking her head because it was match point. And it was on her second serve. Like, she just hit the ball in the net. She's about a second serve. And these two idiots run and crash into each other on, you know, right in front of her. Nailed it. Anyone remember that one? I don't. <laughs> I, I don't remember that though. one. But that that's hilarious, the fact that that happened. Um, okay, so I have two rapid-fire questions for you guys before we wrap this guy up. All right. Number one sure. for everyone, who was your favorite player that you ball person for? Like the nicest one that you encountered? It's got to be Michael Russell for me. He said thank you, like, excessively. He says thank you more than I say sorry in my everyday life, which is saying something. I got to go Ryder Federer. Nice guy. Just flex. Yep. Subtle flex. Yeah. flex. Yeah, there you go. See, that's a, that's a politic flex right there. Uh, I would say Gael Munfi. Really nice hey, guy. All right. Uh, I, similar to Anthony, have a random American Tim Smichek. Oh, yes, baby. Oh, nice. Tim Smichek was a sweetheart, okay? He was, like, literally saying thank you every time I handed him the towel and the match ended. He was like, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Great work out there. Ultra nice guy from the Midwest. You already know. Sweetheart. Um, Number two, uh, Marcus, you're exempt from this because we'll be doing a special episode. Who is winning the U.S. Open this year? Ooh. Rapid fire uh, off the top of my head, dude. I mean, I don't know. It could go so many ways. I want to see new people win, dude. I mean, I don't think Alcaraz is doing it this year, but is he even playing the open? Yes, he is. Yeah, well, Alcaraz will be. Yeah. He he's gonna win. He's gonna win one very soon. I don't know about this one. Uh Kyrgios, he's not gonna get detained to Australia. I don't think he's gonna win the open. Djokovic can't play. Uh I don't know, dude. I mean, Rafa's got his abdominal issue still. Um, you know what? I'm just going to say Kyrgios just for funsies, but I don't think that's going to happen. So we'll see. You know, hopefully he does. I don't know. Matt, who do we got? I think tennis needs, I think tennis needs him because it's like, to think about the personalities in the seven, not to make this too long winded for the rapid fire, but like, dude, we used to have like Connors, McEnroe. You need like, you need reality TV bickering in tennis to make people want to watch it. You know, and he does like my friend who's never watched his tennis watch because of Kyrgios being who he is. So it's not People about love to hate someone. Yeah, I love to hate. And listen, I don't think he's a bad guy necessarily. He's definitely immature a lot of the time. But I think like that is kind of what you need when we've had like Roger and, and like, you know, Murray yells and curses here and there. But he's very Scottish and very like Earl Grey tea. You know, we need we need some more spice from the Australian nether regions, you know. I will now be using Earl Grey tea as a description for someone. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, Matt, hit us. Who are you going Yeah, with? for the sake of rapid fire, I'm going uh, Daniil. Hey. Daniil takes it 2022. Like Ooh, one. the repeat. Okay, okay. 
All right. Love yeah. it. Love the back to back. All right. Before we sign off here, last thing. Uh, what? Where can our viewers find more about you guys for your content? For Matt, for your greased up six pack body when you're fighting. <laughs> Uh, Anthony, for your non-greased up body when you're standing at the at the mic telling us jokes on Instagram Reels. Uh, Matt, you go first. I'll be. Yeah, I, I just want to give out to, uh, a shout out to my team, Seaton uh, Gym New York. Um, you could follow them for content. Uh, hit them up. They're in Astoria, going for a lesson. I'll be there, and you could follow me on Instagram at batmalillo. B a t t m a l i l o. And uh, you can find me on Instagram at Anthony Santino, just, you know, how it sounds, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-S-A-N-T-I-N-O. Um, I do a couple of monthly comedy shows in New York called the Pull-Up Comedy Hour. Uh, very lazy name, but really hot lineups, I promise you. Uh, they're good times. Uh, yeah, just come to my comedy shows and, you know, I don't know, do that stuff. And thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. This was fun. Yeah, guys, thanks. There's no way we could cover all the material in one go. We probably covered like 50% of what it's like to be a ball boy, if that, if that. But yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, listen, depending on how this does, um, we might might have a part two maybe after the U.S. Open. Who for knows? sure. Uh, Anthony, are you still doing that podcast? Yeah, well, I yeah, I am. Is it the, the one thing I, I need to do better with is I stopped doing interviews for a while just because like, I was like referring to my notes too much and like not really participating myself. So I got like, and I was just like focusing more on writing my bits and building my act up and all the other accoutrement that goes with that. So I, uh, I've been slacking. I do this, the episode, just me kind of rumbling and ranting. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to try to make the episodes better. It's, you know, I'm at a place where I just want the comedy on stage to get good. I mean, it's, it's been going well, but you know, like, as far as the networking and business side that goes, I put some time into that and trying to meet more people get out there. So the podcast has been suffering as a result, but we're going to we're going to pick it up at some point. We're going to make them better episodes again. For sure. Now, when you do pick it up, Anthony, where can our listeners find your podcast? So the podcast is called Two Books a Month. Uh, you can find it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, the picture is me stylized in like a graphic with like two books on my head it's like a mosaic on my face it's kind of pretty that, you could put it in a church if you wanted yeah that's but, hot you no know, not bragging not bragging yeah, that's definitely so, hot yeah so i i would i would say so and uh you know so you guys could find two books a month with anthony santino uh official unofficial title and uh yeah listen to that and uh, i'll hopefully pick that up do better with that thing this, by the way, this All podcast right. is hot. I liked how you guys did it, and uh, I'll give you your flowers, Kevin Hart. I'll pretend I'm black for a second. Kevin Hart's always like, "I'm gonna give him their flowers, man," you know, and I'm gonna give you guys your flowers right now. So, thank you. Good stuff. Wow, I appreciate the Kendrick Perkins first take, uh, you know, reference there. there we go. Just giving me my flowers. Thank you. I am, I am, in fact, James Harden. I deserve my flowers. Yes, you do. Um, oh, anyway, boy. that is gonna do it from us uh, and the team. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to catch up with us, please hit us up at, at Breakpoint Podcast 7 at, uh, on Instagram, as well as on TikTok, which we will have some interesting content starting next week. And during the U.S. Open, we'll have some exciting stuff on there. But um, we, you guys will see that soon. As always, if you want to email us, you can email us as at BreakpointPodcast7 at gmail.com. Uh, we have gotten one email, so can't say that that's completely useless. And as always, you can just DM us on Instagram if you have any topic ideas, you want to be on the show like these two guys, please feel free to join us. Uh, and until then, I'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. See ya. See you guys. Good night, guys.